Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. In political science, populism is the idea that society is separated into two groups at odds with one another, the pure people and the corrupt elite. Across the globe, populist leaders are managing to once again create nationalistic influence in countries that already have long histories of enduring the repercussions that can come from populist leadership. Reaching as far as Hungary to the Philippines, from the Netherlands to Brazil, a rise in what starts as populism and quickly leads to far-right authoritarianism is threatening democracies far and wide. Today on the Spent the Rent podcast, we discuss populism, Trumpism, and the global rise of the alt-right with University of Oregon graduate student Kaz Zaidi. the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Self-Esteem Bo Willie. My guest today is University of Oregon graduate student Kaz Zaidi. Kaz, thank you for coming back to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me again. It's great to be back. I always enjoy talking to you. You've been coming into the barbershop uh, for quite a while now, and every time we have spirited discussions about politics and global affairs, and every time you leave, the customers that are waiting after are like, that guy was awesome. Well, that's <laughs> so, nice to know. It's nice yeah, to know people saying nice things behind my back. We just kind of, I think one of the things I really like is that we'll talk about stuff very fairly. You know, we'll, we'll call balls and strikes on our own side. We're very, you know, progressive. And we'll call balls and strikes pretty fairly. Sometimes that gets us into trouble because being, going by some kind of honor code sometimes can hurt your, your party's chances. But whatever. I care about integrity. So thank you for coming. Today I thought we could discuss populism. You know, this is something that I'd like to kind of get to the the meat of it and what it really means. And so that the listener can kind of get something out of this, you know, because I think a lot of times people think populist, it means popular, and that's not that simple. So uh, I said in the intro, basically, there's in populism, in political science, there's a theory that there's two groups of people. There's the disenfranchised uh, voter, basically, and then the uh, corrupt elite. So what would you say, What? how would you define populism? All right, so I think it's useful to take a step back and think about when these terms were first used. Um, the term populism was first used to describe a very particular movement, which was in the southern United States in the 1880s and 1890s, the People's Party. And I think in 1892, they got about 8.5% of the vote uh, for a presidential candidate, which is pretty impressive. And they they came out of this, this group called the Farmers Alliance. So they were very much a, a true grassroots movement. And one of the things that was really interesting about them was that they were cutting across the race divide. 
Um, so you had groups of black and white farmers down in the south who were organizing themselves because the government, uh, neither political party was giving them what they needed. And so they started doing their own form of political organizing. And obviously this is a, a threat to established elites and party hierarchies. And so everything we know about populism and understand about it kind of comes from that one moment. Right. And that's like um, a, a quick Google search. That's one of the first things that comes up. And yeah. like you said, 8% in a third party mm-hmm. is, is substantial. Really I mean, five is good, you know? Yeah. So, and then you said that it was cross, you know, race. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it still, because a lot of times with populism, especially on the right, you'll see an anti-immigrant rhetoric. Was mm-hmm. that also kind of... Um, I mean, there was certainly a lot of that. I'm no expert on the People's sure, Party. Sure. And from what I've read, you know, there was a broad spectrum of people, some of whom were very sort of racially supremacist. Right. But what was unusual was that people were trying to build bridges rather than dealing with a black constituency right. and a white constituency. They were trying to break that barrier down and say, what are our common interests? And that's the thing that, I mean, realistically... <clears throat> When you look at American history, there's things like this movement that mm. weren't probably a bad thing yeah. at the time, you know? So now the, the what we're going to be discussing a lot of is like fascism, essentially. Mm. It's a push using populist approach because it'll get people's heartstrings, essentially. Mm. But in the, in the beginning, I think some of these kind of these movements start from a good place, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think when we're talking about populism now, um, you know, I was speaking with one of my friends and I said, we're going to be doing, I'm going to be doing a podcast on populism. And she goes, what's, what is populism? And I think that's exactly the point, which is that it kind of is whatever you choose to call it. People confuse it with demagoguery, which it isn't necessarily. And if we're looking for a definition, I think it is essentially this idea that you are, Uh, stepping away from establishment structures, so you're anti-establishment. And that doesn't mean you are radically left or radically right. right. It means that all you think is that the the elites that exist are not providing solutions for the people. And once you kind of step away from elites and the hierarchies and structures that exist, the field is wide open. And the good thing about that is that people can come up with innovative solutions to problems rather than getting stuck on, oh, well, you know, sort of machine style politics. Right. Um, The bad thing about it is without those established structures, people's passions can run out of control. And it's very easy to manipulate people on the basis of finding a scapegoat or a common enemy. And that's the thing, the manipulation that I think we're seeing with Trump, Mm. because I do not in my heart of hearts believe that he has the best interest Mm. of his followers in mind. I think it's, and this is where we talked about this before we hit record, that what happens with you know, democratic socialism and, and is, or just populist movements in general is that when the person that takes control of the situation, their intention could be kind, like Bernie Sanders, for example, Mm. people, would you consider, I don't want to get off track, but would you consider Bernie Sanders to be a populist candidate? Yeah, I would do. See, and I would as well. But here's the thing is, is that, that scares people away from that concept is that maybe if a Bernie Sanders gets elected and he's proven by his track record mm. of 250 years of service that that he <laughs> that he is consistent in his mm. messaging now if he does get elected which i hope does that mean that the next person if some of these things change and then the next person's more dictatorial you know is more of a dictator are they going to then take the kind of democratic socialist movement and then make it more about themselves mm. now we 
anyone that's wanting to complain about that because they're trying to reelect a Trump is ridiculous because the truth is, is he is literally about himself. Mm. He says it, it's not hidden. And so I don't understand. I just can't wrap my head around why the supporters, and I'm not trying to call out the supporters as being wrong. I get why they're there because mm. they are disenfranchised by the elite. He promised to drain the swamp. I didn't think he meant, or they, his supporters didn't mm. think he meant his own administration, but, but you know, it's it's difficult because he literally will say, I alone can do it. Mm. And that's where you run into problems with populist candidates because that's fascism. Yeah. You know, and then you see that in, in the socialist type countries like Venezuela with Hugo Chavez back in the day where he was like, I'm smarter mm. than the collective. And, you know, talking about Chavez, Chavez did some brilliant stuff early on. Yeah. Um, and Venezuela was in a really difficult situation and he he was very popular because he was helping out the people right. and he was rooting out corruption. Um, but then he became the very thing that he was um, he was fighting against. Um, because when you're in power, it's uh, it's very tempting to see anyone who opposes you as an enemy rather than someone that disagrees with you. And when you have the unaccountable power of a state apparatus behind you, you can do a huge amount of damage to people's lives. Right. And then get used to doing that. That becomes your kind of your go-to reflexive. Uh, way of responding to um, to enemies, and in Chavez's case, like it was absolutely the case that the CIA and various other agencies were trying to, at best, undermine him, possibly more than that. But because of that, he saw everybody around him as an enemy, and it's kind of the same thing that happened with Stalin and various other uh, dictators that started out left wing, shall we say? Right. You know, because that's you know, in the intro, I used the clip of Hitler, and anytime Hitler's name gets brought up. Mm. If and you're talking about different forms of government, people will say, "Oh, he was a socialist," mm. and it's like what you had told me. Or I was talking to James Barber this morning, and he was saying, "Yeah, he was a nationalist mm. socialist." That's a much different animal, yeah. because when you're, you know, speak on that, like then what a nationalism really is in socialism as well. Yeah. So the the critical thing about socialism is that it's a global ideology. The idea is that. Um, you know, if, if any of us are unequal or suffering from injustice, then all of us are complicit in that, wherever they are in the world. And obviously this is a threat to established elites, to nations, um, and that's part of the reason why a lot of people have had huge problems with socialism, with communism over time. But uh, but when it comes to the, the kind of um, anti—sorry, let me, let me rewind— um, when it comes to nationalist socialism, what we have there is the idea that there is one group of people that is deserving of the fruits of socialism, right? right? That is deserving to have wealth shared, that is deserving to have public services and and access. Uh, and other people aren't. Right. And that's what makes the difference is that it isn't socialism because it isn't for everyone. It's only for uh, for white people or sure. left-handed people or whatever. Or wealthy, the, you know, or, wealthy yeah. exactly. And because I mean, Bernie Sanders uses the wealth gap mm. as his push for social. Yeah, he talks about know, corporate for, socialism, right? For populism, mm. you know. Today we see, and granted, this is not socialist realm, but today we see tweets from Donald Trump where he called out the progressive candidates. Like it, he didn't use their names, mm. but AOC and Omar and Talib, and he says, "Why don't Why don't you go back to where you came from?" Yep. And I mean, with the exception of Omar, where she's from Somalia, she's mm. born in Somalia. But I mean, once you because are you in, did you get citizenship in the States? You have uh, dual, not you have dual I'm, citizenship. I'm not a citizen yet. 
but I will like I'm going through the process. Because so your wife yeah. is, and the second that you become a citizen, you are as much of an American as I am, regardless. Of, and I, you know, that's oh, this is the part that irks mm. me so much because because when he calls that out and says, "Why don't you go back to where you came from?" AOC is working in where she came mm. from in New York, and the same is is true for Talib. But that mentality is dangerous you know and i mean there's a there's a definite like whiteness is rightness mentality yeah and you know one of the one of the sort of the i saw this video a long time ago with a republican i think he was a texas uh state representative grilling some um some woman the woman was hispanic and in this process he says you know you're biased towards immigrants because because you're an immigrant and she goes, actually, no, I'm not. My family's been here for longer than there's been in America. Right. And also, I'm a daughter of the American Revolution. Um, so the idea that, that, say, brown skin equates to otherness or not belongingness is ridiculous, especially when you right. get into into the, the southwest of the United States where there were Hispanic people, you know, literally hundreds of years before the first American, sort of white Americans, set foot in the area. Right. And, and just America isn't yeah. just the United States, Indeed. you know? It's, Indeed. it's definitely two continents, mm. you know? And so, yeah, it's pretty nauseating when you see those kind of tweets because it just shows this separatist mentality. Yeah. So I wrote down a lot of stuff to cover. I think we kind of touched on populism and socialism and populism in fascism. And the big thing that gets the push about, you know, one of the things I really wanted to address is a global rise of the alt-right. Mm. We've seen it in America and we're seeing, you know, people coming out of the shadows. Obviously, that's cloaked with racism and an anti... It starts as anti-establishment, mm. but but you have to decide who... I mean, you know, like the people that say the Jew-run media, which yep. is just so hateful and mm. so wrong. So, uh, it starts with the anti-immigrant rhetoric... Um, but you know, we're seeing what's happening and in another, tr- I know that another, if Trump gets reelected, mm. it's the, the walls will fall off of, of any type of stop against this. And you had mentioned that what happens is a breakdown and a de- de- degradation of the institutions. Mm. And I want you to speak on that a little bit more. I think this is something that Putin, his meddling in the 2016 election, that was the main goal, mm. was a breakdown in pride in the American institutions. Can you speak more on that? Yeah, so um, I was actually uh, being, a, I was a teaching assistant for um, Intro to Political Science, the, the just the last term gone. And uh, one of the books that the, um, that the undergraduates were reading was called uh, How Democracies Die. Um, and it's by two political scientists. I can't remember their names, I'm afraid. And their basic argument was that um, most democracies don't die through a a revolution or through a war. They get eroded from the inside. Um, and effectively what happens is you get an anti-democratic leader getting elected through democratic means. And then that person sets about establishing their hold over every area of public life. Uh, they put their people in place, and those people are put in place for one reason and one reason it's only. It's to like abolish the department, essentially. Exactly, exactly. And you look at the fact that like large swathes of the federal government just have no people anymore. Right. Yeah, there are so I mean, there's many no acting. State there's no state department. There's acting secretaries of everything. Right. And that does two things. One of which it means you don't get much work done, but also you don't have any accountability. Right. The reason you have cabinet members, the reason you have like, you know, senior civil servants is so that everything that occurs 
has a chain of accountability and checks and balances. Yeah. I mean, you see that right now. Trump just said that where Trump was saying, I like this whole because Acosta mm-hmm. stepped down because he basically gave a pass to a billion billion yeah. dollar pedophile. Yeah. And so he he resigns and Trump says, oh, this is good. You can see the shit and mm-hmm. grin on his face where he's like, OK, now I have an acting labor secretary. I like this acting thing because there's no you don't have to get approved mm-hmm. through the House and Senate, you know, and so they just put get pushed. It's just the Senate. Yeah. Right. It proves them. But so you just they just go straight through and there's no accountability. Mm-hmm. How is that any different than a country like Venezuela with Chavez. I mean, it isn't, you know, um, and I think this is the this is the key point, which is that um, sort of going back to the theme of populism, um, that when you are in an oligarchic situation, which I think is pretty much the case around the world, the forty years worth of neoliberal policies, cutting taxes, uh, attacking the the state, has created this situation where all over the world we have this kind of global aristocracy emerging. These people they can't be taxed effectively because you know if you tax them in Panama they'll move to the Cayman Islands. Right. If you tax them in the Cayman Islands they'll move to Switzerland, um, and. Because they can move around, but the populations that they they rule over or that they get that their money their money from can't move around. They don't have easily. the flexibility. Yeah. So we because we don't have any global governance system, any global system of accountability for things like tax evasion, um, it's very difficult to get that class of people to pay their fair share. Right, um, and that gives them massively disproportionate power. The other thing that occurs, and the the Koch brothers are kind of the the past masters at this they're the people that perfected it is this thing called astroturfing um <coughs> which uh literally the 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 phrase means fake grassroots movements right so you will find uh all kinds of different groups on the right um that don't really have any popular basis of support they're not subscription based organizations they have a tiny um sort of core of people who are paid for by billionaires right and then they give the appearance of being a popular and it's usually called freedom parties yeah you know ironically i wrote down Mm. a list uh, globally but i wrote down a list of some of the parties you know in the netherlands they have the party for freedom Mm. in austria it's the freedom party in germany it's an alternative for germany Mm. spain it's the vox party you know, there's all these different groups mm. that are starting up, like you're saying, that are not... I mean, and they're starting to gain representation, 10%, 12%, mm. whatnot, in, in elections. But you're talking more specifically in America, where these these astroturf... I've never heard that phrase, and that makes perfect mm. sense, because you'll see, you know, super PACs is, a, is another... Yeah. It's an example to where there's just funding. Mm. So in Citizens for United, the the Senate rule or the Supreme Court ruling, it uh, it gave money speech yeah. or some basically anybody that's you know a dollar is 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 more valuable than a human almost. Mm. And so yeah, you see these pushes, you know, that Michelle Bachman's an example of where she's got enough funding behind her that she gets this small little. 10% representation, but it has this loud mm. voice, you know, and it's yeah. dangerous. And I mean, two ish, two areas where that's really obvious is uh, abortion and immigration. Right. Where if you look at the polling time and time again, you see that uh, most Americans want comprehensive immigration reform. Right. And most Americans are, I mean, I don't like the phrase pro, like the pro choice, pro life dichotomy, but essentially they support the right of a woman to be in charge of her own reproductive, right. like, abilities. Um, 
And yet, if you were to look at the uh, the representation in the media, you would think that it was a 50-50 divide. It's because of the pure money behind um, it. And that's because there is there is big money behind it. There is uh, you know quite a sophisticated network of uh, of organizations, kind of overlapping organizations that right. uh, that are funded by oligarchs. Um, and as we're discovering, not necessarily oligarchs within this country. I think some of the links between, uh, you know, one of the, the vulnerabilities the Russians went after was the, the National Rifle Association, for example. Um, you know, they've, they've very much seen here are areas where public sentiment is not being motivated by what people actually feel. It's right. being motivated by, uh, by massive PR campaigns. And that puts a disproportionate amount of power in the hands of a very small group of people. If we can be the people that are driving that, right. that conversation. Well, the NRA was originally started for gun owners, yeah. and now it's for gun producers. Yeah. I mean, it's basically just a lobbying firm mm. for the manufacturers. So they can, they basically, you know. And so if you oppose the NRA, it's not like you're opposing the Second Amendment. Mm. You're opposing people wanting to create zero regulation so that, you know, I had a, a customer of mine and he's a good kid. He really is. But he made this statement that he, about the NRA where he said, uh, you know, be careful. I don't think we were talking about just the NRA. We we're talking about gun rights. And he said, uh, be careful trying to create any type of regulation because the amount of, of casualties, if the second amendment is repealed would be far greater than the amount are dying currently mm. in schools. And I just thought, I looked at him and I was like, wow, you need to be careful who you say that to. Mm. Cause what you're telling people is that the, the death of their child is just, you know, collateral damage for you to be able to have a fucking toy. Yeah. You know, you know, um, and, and yeah. And I think that there's, uh, one of the other things is the the rise of social media. Um, yeah. And the fact that so there's two elements there as well. One of which is it produces a huge amount of data that people can then analyze and go, okay, Exa well, what yes. arguments are working and what arguments aren't? Yes. And if you are totally cynical and you care about nothing except whatever goal you're being paid to achieve, you'll look at this vast amount of data and say, okay, so only 10 people responded to this argument that we put out, but 100,000 responded to this one. So we can you know, use effectively a form of like really targeted marketing right. analytics to kind of manipulate the fabric of reality almost. Right, and that's what Trump, I truly believe, I don't know if, if it's Kushner, I, I know that there's there's a specific person that's, that's organizing the mm -hmm. analytics and they used and manipulated fear to go you know, mixed with, with, uh, Putin, obviously, mm. I don't know if they were actually colluding together, but it was, at, it was simultaneous to mm. where they were looking at separating people. I mean, obviously the Bernie voters, I was one of them that they stoked the flames. Now I still truly believe the stuff about Clinton though. You know, the, 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 I, I it's, I don't know what the trade-off would be. If Clinton was but, president so, right now, we'd be at war with Iran. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, and this is, Again, going back to populism, this is why populism is attractive. Why it works. Because um, because the simple fact is that, at, I think at the most basic level, the choice between Clinton and, uh, and Trump was one of, do you want the nonsense that's, that's undeniably going to occur to occur in foreign countries, or do you want it to occur in the United States? Right. And in that sense, there are a lot of people who supported Clinton who are imperialists. And right. the thing that, that 
that bothers them is not that there is there is unaccountable behavior or that um, rich people are getting richer while ordinary working people are still not entitled to a living wage. Right. Um, what bothers them is that the stuff that they've been doing to other countries has come here. Right. And in that sense, you know, Trump has, has been a real shock to what we might call the liberal elite. Yeah. And there is definitely the an centrist. illiberal elite and, as well. And yeah. that's something I really wanted to touch on as well, because mm. there's this push inside of the Democratic Party. We're in a primary, so you're going to see a lot of infighting. Mm. And people th- and on social media are like, oh, no, don't call out the center. Mm. Don't call out anybody in your party. That's literally what a primary is mm. for, so that you can put people's beliefs yeah. and, and, and whatnot on the table. But here's the thing. You get this push from a Joe Biden, for example, mm. who the people that support him are like, we need to get someone that could beat Trump, yeah. which polls mean nothing, first mm-hmm. of all, because we won't see how much of the young, the millennials yeah. will turn out. What do you say about, you know, this, the way that they try to squash progressive movements that are populist, that might actually become yeah. attractive in the, in the general election when they say, don't rock the boat too much. We need somebody that's mm. status quo. It statistically has not been yeah. working. I mean, at the argumentative level, the argument that, and this is the argument that the, the, the left has been pushing in the UK as well for up, up until Jeremy Corbyn was elected, um, this sort of neoliberal argument that, like, we can win over people on the center right by going, hey, we're going to do the same stuff as the other guy, we just don't believe in it. Right. And, and you think, well, what, what, what is that? Right. Um, The idea that you will be able to win over a group of people by giving them a watered down version of what they're getting from their own party that they have a kind of tribal loyalty to is ridiculous. Right. And the thing that Trump nailed the first time around, he nailed that people were dissatisfied. They wanted alternatives and they kind of didn't care what those alternatives were. Sure. Because the one thing they know for certain is, you know, from Reagan through Clinton through both Bushes and Obama, there's been one trend, which is that the rich have been getting richer. Right. And the rest of us are looking around at vast wealth and have no access to it. Right. And people are working two, three jobs. You know, and as far as globally, this rise in populism mm. from the alt-right, what I read a few articles, some BBC articles, and one of them, the headline mainly said, the rise of the alt-right and the death of the center-left. Mm. <laughs> because that's exactly what's happening, is that you cannot combat... The alt-right and the extreme right, which leads to fascism fast. Mm. We're already seeing it in two years. You cannot combat that with, we're going to meet them at the table. You know, we're going to sit down with them and we're going to discuss. So you have to have... I guess I don't want to say balls because mm. I want I, I think a woman can yeah. do a great job without balls. Yeah. But but you have to have some Me- guts. Met- metaphorical balls. Yes, yeah. you have to have some guts yeah. in order to get something um, absolutely. done. Absolutely. So so um, I was in Winco with my uh, with my wife and son a uh, couple of no, earlier this week, and literally the guy in the queue in front of me had a swastika the size of your head on his shoulder on one side and an SS tattoo on the other, and. Five years ago, that guy would have worn a shirt in public. Sure. And now he's standing there, like, amusingly, not able to... Like, I was, you know, just glaring at him because... I don't know. I do the same thing. Something's changed in our society where... Where it's okay. Where it's suddenly okay to to express your freedom and to have your First Amendment right to believe in an ideology that intrinsically requires millions of people to be killed. And this is the thing with, with... actual nazis is you cannot be 
a Nazi or a Nazi sympathizer without believing in, in genocide. It, right. it comes with the package. And therefore, it falls outside of the normal protections on, uh, on free speech. Well, and you see in the anti-immigrant movement in this country mm. where there's, you know, I think there's been six, eight, seven, eight reported deaths of children. Yeah. Children in these concentration mm. camps, because that's what they are, yeah. that... It's a small number, you know, and so, but, and again, collateral damage because mm-hmm. the people are like, I don't, I'm tired of losing my job, which I'm not losing. And it's just atrocious. And you see these comments from people on social media because they've gotten this me versus them attitude mm-hmm. stoked. They may not, co- I guarantee people that are, are cheering on Trump for doing these anti-immigrant kind of movements are cheering it on do not consider themselves nazis and they probably aren't nazis but no. they're definitely going towards that, that well i think that step you so know the, i mean it's become a bit of a cliche but the whole first they came for blah 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 um, right. was done by it was done by a, a protestant pastor called uh, called Neimoller. and it wasn't just a rhetorical device for him it was literally the case so he watched the rise of fascism and was like, all right, well, I guess they're going after godless communists, so I can deal with that, right. you know? And then it was the Jews, and he was like, well, I mean, you know, they are a bit Jewish after all. And yeah. and it just, like, it escalated until eventually it was like, you are now the enemy of the people. And this is the thing, is once you designate people as enemies of the people, then anybody who crosses you for any reason becomes an exactly person. and you're seeing that obviously um, with the media yeah that you know and that's kind of one of the reasons that i do this because mm. it's a big middle finger like we're not going to shut up yeah you know and i'm not the media and i'm mm. not a journalist and, but yet you know we're not going to stop you yeah. know and it's scary so as far as this coming election i want to talk about that real quick and then i want to talk more globally but in the two, 2020 election what do you see as the answer to Trump? How is he going to be defeated? Um, He's not. Well, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very specifically, the answer is not Joe Biden. Yeah. And I think, and I don't mean in in a kind of negative sense of like, you know, anything but Joe. But I mean, everything that Joe Biden represents uh, is what the Democratic Party must not do. Yeah. They cannot tell people yeah it's absolutely fine we just we just need to deregulate more you know fewer taxes but but we'll be nice and liberal to each other about it right there are massive deep systemic problems in uh in many um democracies around the world uh particularly in the united states and and in the united kingdom um they are fundamentally a result of massive wealth inequality and they cannot be fixed with more of the same. Right. Well, we need go uh, with Joe Biden too. That you know, who should the Democratic Party be answering to? Mm. The center right or the Democratic yeah. Party? You know, it seems like the Democratic Party is going progressively mm. left. Left, and yeah, that scares off people in the center right. But those people in the center right are still persuadable because Trump is a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know. And, and so. I think- I think at the most basic level, if you are if you are a libertarian, say, and you are looking out at the environment, and you generally be considered center right, right leaning, and if you're looking out at the environment and you're thinking, well, you know, on the one hand, there's there's a bit of redistribution, and on the other hand, there is like active embrace of uh, of the vilest and most vicious forms of of tyranny. And you end up choosing the tyranny because you don't want to pay taxes. Then you were never on the center. Sure, right? exactly. And I think that's the thing is that is that what we're seeing is is a lot of pretenses falling away. Um, it's becoming much clearer 
who people always were. There was a kind of bridging to the centre taking place over the last 40, 50 years. People pretending to be much more centrist than they were. Right. Um, and, you know, there are, there are a few kind of areas. Immigration is one. Um, where it starts to become pretty clear pretty quickly. But I also think there were a lot of people who maybe didn't realize that their views were... A certain... Right. There's well, tests well, that you can yeah. take that are interesting that will yeah. show you where you actually fall. Um, you know, as far as 2020, the candidates that... I'm obviously a Bernie supporter, mm. and the biggest reason that I am, and I'd be okay with Elizabeth Warren, because I think that she's just right there with him. Mm. She's She hasn't shown quite the same track record, but she there's things I really like about her, even over Bernie in some yeah. ways. But the thing that I like the most is that someone like Tulsi Gabbard, who isn't probably viable as the president, mm. but she is she checks off boxes yeah. that the right would appreciate because she would be maybe vice president or yeah. secretary of state. Secretary and so she's, of Defense. she's like she's former military, yeah, former military, pro Second Amendment, from what I remember. Right. She's anti. Um, she's against uh, in, in interventionalism mm. to just like continuously start yeah. and pester these different you know, places, especially in the Middle East, where we've put our head in mm. over and over and over again. Because with Biden, it's again like Clinton. Biden gets elected. We're going to war with yeah. Iran. I mean, maybe not quite that. With with Hillary, it was a given. I mean, with Hillary, it was a given. Um, I think Biden's issues are not so much the foreign policy element. I think that Biden's problem is that he thinks that uh, the Obama era is what we need to go back to. Right, which was extremely unpopular with people in the center-right. Yeah, and it was unpopular with people in the center-right. It was unpopular with a lot of Democrats who felt that there wasn't enough, like, social justice redistributive policy. Right. And... The, the biggest reason was because of health care, because yeah. of Obamacare, because working... And the biggest recession that right, like, we've that ever Right, that they were seen. correcting, yes. but with Obamacare, it was without the mandate. Mm. I mean, we've gone over this so many times, but realistically what happened is, is it hurt people that were really trying mm. to have upward mobility. It kind of eliminated that because their insurance went from being you know, affordable to being not mm. affordable, and it allowed people that were not covered to get covered. Now, with this is the thing that people don't wrap their head around, with universal health care and it's going to be paid for by you know a tax on the the toppest margin yeah. you know and, and marginal tax rates that people are like oh like but like you said the scary part is mm -hmm. is that it can bounce around the, the people will just move the businesses yeah. so it's uh, we're at a loss you know it's i mean so so that's a classic collective action problem which is that it's not in anybody's immediate personal best interest sure but it's in everybody's long-term collective interest. Well, like climate and, change. And basically what needs to happen there is people just need to grow up. Uh -huh. And the irony of it is the people that are most grown up in all of this are the kids. Right. Um, right. They get it because they don't have the luxury of, um, of bad ideas. And one of the things that's been really interesting uh, chatting to and teaching UO students is even the ones who are Republicans, um, for them... Universal healthcare is a no-brainer. Right. Like, it's it's like, why are we actually arguing about this? You know, we can argue about freedom of speech and where the boundaries are. We can argue about public funding for education and stuff like that. But healthcare is basic. And everybody else in the world does it a different way. Right. And, and it's so much cheaper. Yeah. Like, in the long run. Yeah. You know, and I think that there could be ways, if it's a 4% tax, mm -hmm. right? I think there's ways that an employer could be like, come work for me. Mm -hmm. I'll pay 2% of that. 
Yeah. You know, there's going to be ways that it can be negotiated. People just don't have the courage to say, let's just have a rocky couple mm-hmm. years. It's already not doing well. Yeah. Make some change, you know, and it's like climate change. It's the mm-hmm. same thing. People are like, oh my gosh, we need to do something to help the environment, but not now. Yeah. Because if we do that now, that could really disrupt yeah. things. And it's 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 kind of a gambler's fallacy thing where you've, you've got these sunk costs in a certain way of doing things. You're like, well, I mean... It's going to cost me. You know, it's going to cost me fifty bucks to change, even though it's going to cost you over the long run thousands of dollars going down the other route. Right. You worry about the fifty bucks in your pocket right, right now. And one of the things going back to to populism is when you are unscrupulous and you have a populist agenda or a populist, I guess, a way you know approach then you can take advantage of those fears. And this is why we worry about populism swinging to the right. Is it starts from uh, ways of thinking that maybe you know, you'd expect it to be naturally leftist. It's about a fair and equal redistribution. It's about uh, government taking an active role in making society more just. But it's very, very easy to whip that up into, oh, well, it's not because I'm failing you as your elected leader that there are issues. It's because of those people over there, you know, right. whoever they are. Um, you know, gays and Jews and Mexicans, right? And, you know, whatever, whatever, it takes whatever, to whatever, just... whatever, like plucks people's strings, right? Um, so, so back to the global thing. You know, I wanted to talk about some of the major players that we're seeing in this rise of populist alt right movement. Mm-hmm. You know, Brazil is a good example of of where we need to to see what's happening in Brazil and take serious mm. pause about supporting somebody like Trump because what we've seen is is that the degra- degradation of the institutions and Brazil was doing really well mm. you know they were getting they had energy independence they had switched the way that they were doing fuel right it yeah. was wasn't it sugarcane they yeah. had some modernized newer way with uh, is it, what is his name i wrote it down uh lula lula was beloved mm. and then it, was it during the election? What had happened is he was running against Bolisario, and there was all of a sudden this corruption charges came against yeah. Lula, and th- then the minute that Bolisario won, so d- was Lula jailed before the end? He of- was jailed, bef- like he was in jail during the election campaign. So like lock and, her up, like you saw that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and the Intercept revealed recently a bunch of conversations between, uh, and I strongly suggest your listeners go and look that up. Yes, um, a bunch of text message conversations I think they were between uh, the judge and uh, who sat on that case and uh, members of of, uh, of the right wing apparatus and effectively they cooked the entire they thing they cooked up. the whole thing so Bolisario um, it was a judicial coup the minute that he was elected Bolisario and of course he's going to be elected because Lula is in prison mm-hmm. you know which this is going to end up being something almost like a, I don't want to say um Mandela, you know what I mean? Like mm. he's locked up. This was a beloved man, yeah. and he's locked up. The minute that Balasario was elected, he appoints the judge who put Lula away as his like chief justice, his justice yeah. minister. Yeah. You know, because they're a socialist country, mm. right? It's it's like a social democracy in um, Brazil. I don't I don't know enough. Well, they call ministers precise... prime minister, yeah. prime. You know, so yeah. It's... So no, it's a, it's a parliamentary system. Okay, um, or at least no, it's a, it's a hybrid system with the presidential. And a parliamentary. Okay. So, like, yeah. And but it's, the, federa- it's, it's a very, like, 
But it was like you said, it was a judicial coup. And I mean, if you're not, if you're listening to this or you're watching this, I really think that you should just Google Brazil's new leadership Mm -hmm. because it will be appalling to you. And we need to see. So when you see somebody talking about lock her up, lock her up about Hillary during the 2016, I don't care who it's about. Mm -hmm. This is why some of the push from the right you know or from the left with impeachment and stuff impeachment is why i think we need to act now because if you don't act now mm. if after trump everyone's like after he's out of office he's going to be jailed i don't know if i want that mm. because that's not how we but do things but also 8 years of oh my god um, it's over at i mean that it's point. A, 8 years when you are already exhibiting a lot of signs of no longer being a fully functional democratic entity sure are very worrying um and the thing about democracy is it's it's a constant learned behavior you have to do it every day you have to you know one of the things that that really impressed alexis de tocqueville about america when when he did his sort of his tour of the country was this democratic spirit this idea that every american thinks of themselves as the equal of every other and you know whether you're um, whether you're you're sipping brandy in the halls of the mighty or you know chatting to your barber, everybody thinks that and believes that their opinion and their right to have one is a valid opinion, and that was very different from the Europe of its time. Um, now that spirit and that kind of constant participation is starting to fade in American life, yeah. and people are being allowing themselves to be directed, allowing they're kind of mortgaging their consciences. In a sense, they're giving them over to, to to be owned by Donald Trump or you know Bernie Sanders. You will find sure. like you will find ideologues, uh, nutters um, who will just spout the the, the party line. Um, and this is why it's so scary because I truly know that. I read enough from different sources that I I like to think that I think for myself now and in supporting Bernie Sanders and I will call him out on stuff. But this is the hard part is that we're finding that if you give an inch to someone, so you're like, you know, Mm. I don't like this part. And they're like, yep, that's why he's unelectable, you know, and it's so it's so scary. I don't know. It's just really frustrating. I mean, I think when it comes to the phrase unelectable. Um, I think we can just never use that phrase again. Sure. Um, Sure. Because Donald Trump was unelectable. Right. Um, And the polling is pretty consistent. I think Hillary Clinton was unelectable. Hillary Clinton was unelectable. I think that that's the reality that people um, forget is that, and it, yeah. you know, and again, it's like Trump did some very, it's a combination of great analytics and, and stoking fears that mm. they definitely studied on how to manipulate that mixed with the DNC de- deliberately fighting Bernie Sanders back. Mm. So again, this is what I'm talking about is that Bernie Sanders, the Bernie bros have been blamed by a lot of centrists mm. for allowing Trump to be elected. And it's like, how about you listen to your party, you know? Yeah. And that, so it's, it's insanity. It's just one more thing on that, that uh, when you have those people, the same people now saying, oh, well, you know, don't don't attack Joe because yeah. it's bad for the party. So, like, okay, so whoever you're putting forward can attack anybody else and you can attack others. You know, what they did right. to Bernie last time around was atrocious. And there are... Um, misguided especially young men who ended up voting for trump as as a protest yeah and you've got to remember that trump's margin of victory was very very narrow right um and it came from a cynical look at the at the chest to watch it all burn yeah and and to say you know these are the places where i need those electoral college votes and and i will do whatever it takes to speak to those people right um hillary ran a complacent uh out of touch campaign 
Um, but at a more basic level, there is only one person to blame when a candidate loses. It's the candidate. It's the candidate. So my um, hope is that Bernie Sanders stays in this mm. long enough to not so long to hurt somebody like Elizabeth Warren, mm. but long enough to where he's the enemy. Yeah. And because there's so many people that they're blaming mm. this on, you know, and if they try to package, the right is going to try to package yep. Bernie and Elizabeth's same face. Mm. You know, essentially like it was with George W. Bush that like a vote for McCain is a third term for Bush, mm. you know, which is not really going to, it wasn't going to be true. I mean, that's a whole different animal, yep. but that's my hope is because I don't think that, that Bernie's going to become president. No, I think, um, I think there's there's a few things with Bernie. I think that he's, frankly, the fact that he's Jewish is not is not gonna play, like it, that's gonna be enough to turn a lot of people off. Sure, and enough then people, and then maybe. the fact that he's tired. Um, I mean, the he fact seems, that he's tired. He the seems fact tired. That he's, yeah, you know. Um, but the thing that he's done is he's fundamentally shifted the debate in this country. A hundred percent. And for me, someone like Elizabeth Warren. The, the combination of the kind of Bernie firebrandness with Elizabeth Warren's kind of, I have a plan for that. Yeah. Um, I think is a powerful one. You kind of use use Bernie to to sort of open the door and then maybe Warren's the one that steps through. Right. Um, you know, I've looked at the rest of the field. I've not been hugely impressed by anyone else. What about Buttigieg? Um, you know? I There's mean, a, just as far as electable, I, I know we're not supposed mm, to say not electable, yeah. but electability, you know, he checks off a box. Mm. Former military. Yes, he's gay, but I think that he approaches it in a good way. I think, not that there's a wrong way. I'm just saying mm. that, that I think people are like, he's tough I think, about I it. I think he, he, he neutralizes the the prejudice against him quite effectively. Very well, yeah. Um, my worry about him is he's very young. Yeah. And and this is the same with the the you know the Betos and the and the rest of it the kind of young field and you know much as I have massive respect for Tulsi, um, she's just not gonna yeah, get like yeah you know um, so I I think he's done a good job but there are a bunch of kind of key issues the race issue has come up a couple of times and at the end of the day you're not going to win without Black Americans if you're a Democrat. Right. And you're not going to win without Black Americans, A, coming out for you to vote, and B, being your activists. Right. And, and Bernie know, has a lot of that. And Bernie Bernie has had to do a lot of work, actually. Sure. So a few of my Black friends will be very clear on the fact that they say, I love Bernie, but he was terrible on race at the last election. In the last election. And he's doing a much better job now. Um, you know, you, you compare that to Biden, who has this, like, historic... Um, association where people think, oh, because well, basically because he would he would speak to black people at all in the time when in he was time, coming up, right. he was seen as being super progressive. Now things have moved on a lot since then, and it may be that like grandmas will go, oh, you know, we we know we know Joe and we like Joe, but younger than that, the the black community has has had to become very sophisticated right. in its in its analyses and its ability to um to to make judgments on candidates. Right. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's I can't wait for the for the Iowa, you know, mm. caucus because it's going to it's going to be really telling, you know, and I think I think my prediction is I think it's going to be Elizabeth Warren that's going to win it. Win I think so. One. Yeah. I you know, I've been well, I hope it is because uh, after after Trump won the, the last election, the first thing my wife did was to put five dollars on Elizabeth Warren winning twenty twenty. Um, so, so that I mean, and she was a long shot at that stage. Sure, so. yeah, it's it's gonna be telling. I mean, we didn't mm. mention Kamala Harris, but I didn't really intend on this being about the two thousand twenty mm. election. It's impossible for it not to be. The big thing I want to wrap up, but the big thing, you know, global populism 
this show is not going to be something where you're going to get all the information you need on this. You really, as listening to this, you need to Google. Yeah. There's really good. I don't know if I can if I can throw it in the show notes or not, but there's an article, a BBC article. Maybe I can. Mm-hmm. That the legality of it. I don't want to get sued. I think I think you can. I like, think you I'm, can link to a publicly okay. available. I think article. I'm going to throw that in the show notes yeah. because there's a there's an article that I read that really shows a lot of the different countries from Hungary and to the Netherlands, like Gert Wilders. Oh my God, that guy is just heinous Mm. and this is this shows populism in a nutshell i want to tell a story about 10 years ago maybe more i was watching the 700 club (laughs) because i used to watch the 700 club to get motivation to write punk rock lyrics it worked every time (laughs) and they were talking about gert wilders Mm. who is the i wrote it down he is the party leader for the party for freedom in the netherlands And he is disgusting. So what he talks about, he's so anti-Islam, and he talks about how they're dirty, repulsive people. And he's an atheist, but he thinks Christians are better But because... And I'm not, I'm not quoting, but it's paraphrasing, but he literally said something to the effect of, Christians are better because they're easily manipulated to do what you want. Mm-hmm. And they were showing this guy the story about him, how he's on 24-hour protection because he's hated in his own country, mm-hmm. but yet there's enough of a movement that he keeps getting support, like the person that you saw at Winco with the swastika mm-hmm. on their back, that this guy keeps getting elected. And uh, when they cut back to Pat Robertson on the 700 Club, he said, we need more people like him speaking his mind. And I just thought to myself, the only thing you agree with him is that you hate Muslims. Mm. That is literally the yeah. only thing. He doesn't believe in God. He mm. said straight up that, that Christians are just easily yeah. manipulated. Oh, my God. It was so... I mean, there's a whole, like, a lot of my research is on how Muslims have been the kind of the legitimate enemy for the last 10, 15 years. Totally. So while, while it wasn't cool for a while to be overtly racist... Um, you could still get away with being uh, bigoted against Muslims because Islam isn't a race, and anyway, they're the enemy because nine eleven, and you know they're they're fighting back against us. In well, Iraq that's the and thing. It's like these it. these countries, you know. And we didn't even really talk about how the UN, like Putin, is really pushing to end the UN. And that what's breaking down the UN is these countries in the UN are allowing immigrants mm-hmm. from Muslim countries that are war torn because these people are refugees that are leaving death yeah you know and, and so often situations that are created by our own foreign policies right um but yeah when it comes to i mean putin's very very effective at undermining uh institutions where others have already given him a gap like the reason why his strategies have been effective is because there was already a mistrust of institutions whether it's whether it's the u.s electoral system whether it's the uh, the united nations which is a result of countries like britain and America failing to use those institutions properly in the first place. Right. Um, you know, he he is only doing, he's only cranking up the volume on stuff that was already going on. He's right. just very, very clever at doing that. At well, and then Syria, sides. because we had intervened mm. so long in different places, and the approach that Obama basically mm. started and that Trump continued in Syria yeah. was like, let's just kind of take a step back. It's allowed Russia mm. to go in there and just basically control the entire situation. I mean, Russia's playing us big time. Yeah. They're playing everybody in the world right now, and they're using our old playbook. Mm. You know, so I mean, I, it's, it, this is all classic CIA stuff. Like, yeah. 
It's crazy. Um, Let me make sure that we covered everything. I think we did. Mm. We talked about Brazil. We mentioned. I don't. We didn't get to Duarte, which. Oh my gosh! If you guys aren't should familiar, just, should we just like settle on the fact he's not a very nice man? He's not a good guy. Yeah, he's not getting a Christmas card from me. I. I think you know if you were unfamiliar, look up. Just type in Filipino leader, and mm. oh my gosh, Duarte is something else. Uh, we talked about you know populism in on both the left and the right uh so i think we you know we've we've gone over a lot i'm gonna put that article you know in the show notes of this uh because it's a really good read it's an easy quick article for people to read about the global rise of populism and the alt-right across the globe and so you know i want to have uh we're gonna have a lot of talks about this 2020 election because it's coming i can't wait for the first you know the iowa caucus to actually be done so that we'll see because that usually gives a little bit of a tell i don't think the winner of the iowa caucus has actually gone on to of either party the opposition party has gone on to win the election in a while Mm. so it's not like it's the end but what it's going to do is it's going to make people at the bottom drop off yeah it'll it'll set the tone for the rest of the race right i don't think i'm going to cover the next debate because it's still the 20 people Mm. we already did that one it's not really worth but we'll touch on it in different things so kaz it's always an honor to have you i appreciate you coming out and talking to us it's it's always great uh if you're listening to this remember you can always go to strpod.com for merch and, and all kinds of different stuff. We're putting the videos now up on YouTube and you can also find them on the website strpod.com slash video and then also on Facebook, which is real easy. Just follow Spent the Rent Podcast. So thank you guys for listening and watching. And Kaz, it's always an honor. Uh, I'm going to end this with a song by a local punk rock band called Dead Fucking Serious. <laughs> the, the song is called An- Anarchaic and I chose that one because it was the longest one. Because <laughs> most of their songs are like 35 seconds. Uh, Sammy Warmhands is the lead singer. And give, give a shout out to Sammy. Uh, their punk band is something incredible. Sammy Warmhands is one of the most diverse artists in Eugene because he b- does rap, he does hip hop, and then he also does like crazy hardcore punk. And they have a new album coming out and a show coming up at Old Nick's. So check out Dead Fucking Serious. Uh, There'll be, if you're on Facebook, you can click right on the name when it, and it'll highlight it and then it'll go right to their page. So this is, uh, this is dead fucking serious with anarchaic Kaz. Thanks again. You are-